Miami's performance, another defeat. Inter Miami's road woes from 2022 have carried into the new year. Hello everyone, it's a new week and that means a new episode of Miami Total Football Radio, the number one weekly and bilingual inter-Miami focused podcast that provides you, the listeners, with all the latest news, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of the usual weekly co-hosts of this program, a program that has been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting, and a show in which the beautiful game collides with passion and analysis. Now, normally I have two other regular co-hosts, but one of them is still busy covering baseball. That is Jose Armando. And the other, Andrea Yanes, aka Ajisita, she's a little under the weather. So she is unavailable this week. But we have a familiar face or familiar voice joining us this week to help fill the void. The Bryce Duke to the Gregories of the podcast. And I'm talking about none other than someone we had on the show last year two times. So this is his third appearance overall. Someone that covers Inter-Miami games on a regular basis, sits in the press box with us. Probably the calmest opinionated person that I know. And I'm talking, of course, no pun intended, about... Miguel Paz, a.k.a. Michael Peace, if you want to do an English translation of his name. Miguel, welcome back. How are you doing? Hey, Franco. Nice having me around here. I can't believe it's my third time, actually. But you know what? Andres is in the house again, so you don't have you don't have the other Andres, <laughs> but you have me. So, representando Honduras, el país de cinco estrellas, papá. <laughs> can't, can't, can't get rid of the Honduran. Somehow you can just keep on coming on the show, man. I don't know. I was, I was looking for an Englishman, you know, but no, no, no. All jokes aside, Miguel, thank you for joining us and for filling in for your fellow compatriots who uh, who are out of action this week. So you're becoming a regular. You're becoming a veteran for Miami yeah. Total Football Radio. By the way, did I ever make you pronounce that? Did I ever have no. you do no? Right. Should should we try it? Do you want to try it? Are you up for it? Uh, of course, man. All right, let's hear it because this, you know, the listeners are going to hear on initial try without practice. This was not rehearsed. You didn't even know I was going to do this. All right, let's no. hear it. Go for it. And we're listening to Miami Football Radio. Hey, I like it except for the fact that you forgot the word total. But besides that, you know, I'll give you a C plus. But you missed. If you, if you would have gotten the word, I would have given you an A. I would have given you that's, an A. That's, that's the you go. You go to the next round with the same clothes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miguel. Well, we've got a good bit of things to talk about because Inter Miami once again suffered a, a setback, a letdown on the road. This time up in Canada in very, very cold weather, exactly, at BMO Field against Toronto FC. So we'll dive into that game. We'll dive into what's plaguing Inter-Miami right now, what can be done better. There's also a first start for one of, or first MLS start for one of the Inter-Miami players that people have been chiming in. And people have opinions about. Of course, we're talking about Harvey Neville, who is, of course, Phil Neville's son. So we'll dive into his performance, what we thought of his game. And, of course, we'll preview the upcoming weekend's match against the Chicago Fire, as well as do our Q&A session 
and the final thoughts at the very end. So, Miguel, you ready? Yes, ready. All right, your first appearance of the 2023 season. Let's get to it. All right, so we're jumping straight into it. No other news to dive into this week, just straight into the game. Inter Miami played away to Toronto FC this past Saturday at a very frigid BMO field in Toronto, Canada. Inter Miami suffers a 2-0 loss in this one. Both goals came in the second half. The first one from Jonathan Osorio in the 48th minute and the second one from Mark Anthony K also known by Andrea as Mark Anthony Calle in the sixth, in the 69th minute. So 2 to 0. That's all she wrote for Inter Miami, a second consecutive shutout defeat. So they didn't score for the second straight away game. So that hot start the Inter Miami had to begin the year now doesn't look so good anymore after back-to-back losses. This was the starting lineup for Inter-Miami in this one, and they came out yet again in that 4-2-3-1 formation. You had Drake Callender in goal. The back four from right to left was comprised of Harvey Neville, Serhi Kristoff, Christopher McVeigh, Franco Negri, and then the first line of the midfield was made up of Bryce Duke filling in for the injured Gregory and Gene Mota. That second midfield line with the more attack-minded players from right to left. Corentin, Coco John, Nicolas Stefanelli, and Rodolfo Pizarro. And up top, Joseph Martinez once again. So, Inter Miami lost 2-0. We'll dive into it. I haven't heard your thoughts. I haven't heard your thoughts in general about the team this year. Yes. So I'm curious to hear... Yes, I'm, I know you've been missing in action. You've been MIA yeah. in the MIA. But, exactly. But we'll hear your thoughts in just a moment about the team. But before we get to just the team in general, let's focus on this game. What do you think about the overall performance? Were there some positives, more negatives? What did you think from this 2-0 defeat, Miguel? Uh, I would say more negative than positive. Always when you lose, it's obviously more negative than positive. But look, Last year, I was, after, like, each away game, I was like, this team cannot win away from home. I don't know why. I kind of know what the problem is because he has been here for three years already. And um, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, no I, don't, I don't know. I need I need a name. I need a name. If you're, if you're Phil, gonna, if... Phil Neville. Phil okay. Neville, uh, the head coach, because players go and some new players come as well. But, look, um, Gregory was missing. This This was the first game that Inter Miami didn't have their captain. Uh, in the midfield, and we noticed that a lot. You know, it's not the same playing uh, Bryce Duke with John Mota and Mota with Gregory. Um, you, you you lose a lot, a lot with uh, without without Gregory. You lose defending, uh, coming back from you know like transition. You lose a lot of that with, with with Duke. But there, there's a problem with this team playing away from home, uh, Franco. And you know you've been covering this team every single year. They have been in MLS. And, um, I have yet to miss a home game for the for the record. By the way, I, oh. I will I will shamelessly plug that I have not missed I haven't missed any game in terms of watching it, but I've I've attended every single Inter Miami home game. So that is actually incredible, <laughs> to be honest. But but yeah, um, you know uh, this team. It, watching the game actually reminded me of the team of last year. Remember, like the first couple of five games, you know, it was that team like dry, no creativity, uh, lack of defending, uh, like. 
errors, to like those childish errors that a team had last year. And like the first two two games where I was like, okay, I don't want to say this injury Miami team is good, but I'm like, okay, like I see the little things here. And then they go away from home. And I'm like, so, okay. So you so you saw good starting points correct, in the first correct. two games, and not so much. Especially but they, in this they game. were at home. They were at home, Franco. And we know this team. This team plays different home than than away games. Mm-hmm. So. It is common in MLS for teams to play well at home and struggle on the road. It's it's not many teams, or there are not many teams, historically, that if you look at the away record, that they get more wins than losses. So it's not completely uncommon to struggle away from home, but of course you want to try to uh, win as many of the road games that you have as possible to give yourself uh, a good chance of being high up the table. Now, with Inter-Miami, I will say this about this game. Because I agree that there were a lot of simple errors and a lack of precision from the team in terms of some of the passes they made, some of the decisions they made. Why that was, I don't know if, you know, having Duke in there and, and that the roles changing a little bit for that first midfield line, if that impacted things. But, you know, I can't blame the introduction of one player for... Pizarro and Stefanelli missing pe- clear cut but, passes, or, or Coco Jean missing a clear pass, and like just, just there was just an overall sloppiness to the play. Now I agree, but maybe the cold missing... weather, maybe the cold weather played a part. Maybe but, Toronto FC, of course, did their part as well. But Inter Miami clearly was not sharp on the day in this one. Correct, I agree. Toronto still haven't won a game since playing Inter Miami, so I was like, maybe there's a chance there. We're not seeing the Toronto that everyone expected. To play, but like not having Gregory is is gonna hurt Inter Miami a lot, and I think it's gonna hurt them more than what we expect. To be honest, that's that's taking. I believe that's taking the engine out of the team. In my opinion, I don't know if that's too much in your opinion or or what you think about that. But in my opinion, I think uh, taking Gregory out, out of the team is you know it's gonna be pretty pretty tough until they find something. So. Last week when we talked on the pod, we just knew what the injury was and we knew that Gregory would have surgery. Since then, it came out that you know he had a successful operation. He's officially now recovering and, and working his way back to trying to get healthy, but he is projected to miss six months. So Inter-Miami's captain, Inter-Miami's pit bull terrier in the center of the park, he's going to be out for much of the season. The good news is there's a chance he returns late in the year and could play some games there towards the stretch run, and potentially the playoffs if Inter-Miami makes it there. I will agree that I think you know Inter-Miami lacked defensive muscle here, and especially as the game wore on, Gene Mota is the player that commits the foul, and a pretty needless foul, or, or at least the way he committed the foul was pretty needless because he, he grabs, I forget who he grabbed, but he grabs he grabs the dribbler and, and brings him down. I don't know if it was just frustration doesn't remind me who was losing or, or what it was, but he grabs the player. It's a free kick for Toronto FC, and then uh, Federico Bernardeschi hits a free kick into the back post, and Gene Mota gets beat to the ball by Mark Anthony Kay, who somehow hits a looping header while doing a 360. Uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, probably a bit fortunate for Toronto FC there and for Mark Anthony Kay, but nonetheless, if Gregory's in there, I don't think Mark Anthony Kay gets that header off that comfortably or gets, well, I mean, you know, I think Gregory obviously. puts him off a little bit or 
assuming Gregory would be on the mark. But yes, I do think Gregory's defensive muscle and defensive presence was missed. But I don't, I don't, that can't explain the lack of accuracy and the lack of performance levels from the team in general. I, I saw, I, we watched the game like I do every game, and I saw a team that just wasn't sharp on the night. Yeah. And that can happen, but. I think there's reasons for that. And I think that's what we need to dive into. One thing that I think played a part in this, and we'll start, uh, of course, we're going to dive into some individual performances. But one thing that I think played a part in this, and again, I'm not laying the blame on this player, but he did not have a good game. And he was one of many players that did not have a good game. Bryce Duke was playing as an eight. When he is more so really played as a 10 or when he's looked at his best he's been playing further up the field as a 10 or as a eight and a half however you want to look at it here he was playing as an eight on that first line of the midfield and in the first couple of minutes of the game he plays a lateral pass out to the right flank to harvey neville and it gets intercepted and comes back the other way because he didn't see the toronto fc player that ended up intercepting the ball and got to the ball before harvey neville and that was one of many instances. And again, Duke wasn't the only one. Many players just didn't have it on the night. But I don't necessarily think that the eight position is Duke's best position. I don't necessarily think he's uh, he's, he's good enough to be a regular starting 10 in the league t- today. Hoy en día, I don't think he's, he's good enough to be the 10 week in and week out. But I do think that that is the position that plays best to his strengths. Not necessarily sure if that eight, that central midfield role where he's he's getting the ball in deeper positions where he can't, I mean, he can, he can take risks, but you shouldn't take as many risks in that spot, part of the field because you lose it and then you have a quick transition coming the other way. So yeah. I think that was part of the, the issue, but that's not the only issue. I, I think Gene Mota... You also didn't see him get as involved in the attack. You didn't see him move forward with as much freedom as as you normally do. And I think Gregory's absence had a big part in that. Because you don't have that defensive muscle. So now Gene Mota, he's going to have a little bit more defensive responsibility. Especially next to Bryce Duke, who doesn't give you all that much defensively. So that means Gene Mota now has to help make up for Gregory's absence with more defensive responsibilities which take away from his ability to get forward and make those passes in in the attacking half that you normally see i mean he did rip one shot right like we have we jokingly say in the press box that uh i don't know if i've shared this before in the podcast but we jokingly say in the press box that on our inter miami bingo card for every game which we don't really have a bingo card this is just a, a phrase that i that i just made up and it kind of stuck um that the free card or the free square in this inner miami bingo card is gene mota shot from distance and he took one shot in the second half from distance that he smashed well high of the goal but you didn't see him overly involved in the attacking this way and i think gregory's absent and phil neville's tactics to try to make up for it played a part in that yeah i was coming back into that like it's not the same without having gregory there and if you're mota like okay i'm gonna go forward and like try to do something but i know who's behind me now here you don't have you don't have your partner in crime behind you anymore. You have Bryce Duke who who, who has an attacking mind and he's always gonna go forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? Also, um, of course, that, and that's what I'm saying. That's I why I think Phil Neville Phil Neville's game plan 
was for, yes, okay, we're going to bring in another attacking player, right? This is what I think Villanova fought into the, while he made the line. Because he could have gone Victor Ulloa, and that's what I thought he would have done, just uh, to go yeah, like, like like for like, to give that the team equilibrio, you know, a balance. Yeah. But he went attack-minded, right. like he has been this year, which I don't I don't hate. I don't know if it's necessarily, yeah. necessarily the best recipe for success. I do think Villanova's overdoing it a little bit in terms of how attack-minded he's, he's being. But I prefer you being attack-minded than being defensive-minded, just from a stylistic standpoint. That's just me, though. That's just me. When he does this type of thing, I, I don't mind, to be honest. I, I like it. So I don't, I don't blame him either. Well, so, so again, I, 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 get, I can get the idea behind it, get another technical player on the field, try to be better with the ball, try to be possession-based. So I understand the, the idea, but it didn't work out. Not in this game. Now, again, it was fr- it was very cold. Now... You know, Inter Miami, Inter Miami. That's that cheap. It's, it's, it's not an excuse. Listen, it's not an excuse. I'm not saying it, that's. It I'm is. not saying that's the reason. I'm not saying that's the reason they lost. But it was very cold, and you could I see mean, every Inter Miami player except for Sergi Kristoff, who was in his true Ukrainian, Ukrainian. element. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was either wearing long sleeves or gloves or both. Even on Toronto FC, there was not a single player on Toronto FC that was not either at least in the starting lineup. So the first twenty-two players, there was not a single player on the team on either team aside from Sergei, who was. Not wearing gloves or long sleeves. Sorry, he was, was the, the only you know, one. Do you know what the temperature was? Uh, I think they said it was. It felt like six degrees or something like that. Okay, you know, that's the, cold. With yeah. the wind chill, it felt very cold. Yeah. Um, you know, there was one close up from the Apple TV broadcast where you see like a throw in or uh, it was a play towards the sideline, and there's some Toronto FC fans that I guess have VIP seats because they're sitting really close. They're on the side uh, on one of the chairs behind the the ad boards. And they're so bundled up, man. Like, you couldn't even... I think it was a couple. It was a, it was a man and a, and a wife or a man and a woman. And the the woman, you could barely see her because you could just see her hair and her eyes and you the rest of her face was covered with the scarf and the hoodie. And the guy was super wrapped up. He had his arms, like, crossed. And um, you could tell that they were freezing. But nonetheless, I don't, I don't blame the cold weather. Like, that's 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 not it. I mean, it does play a part to, course, in, yeah. in Inter-Miami being maybe a little uncomfortable on the field. Just like when people or teams from... The Northeast come to play in the hot and humid weather in South Florida in July. Is it an excuse for why they lost? Yeah, you know, you could you could analyze it as part of the reason why. Because yeah, it does it does take a toll if you're not used to it. So I do think in Miami was not used to the cold weather. I think it plays a part. I'm not saying that's the reason or the part, the main part why they lost this game, but I think it plays it plays a role. Now, something else here that I think hurt the team and maybe led to a little bit of this disjointed sloppiness that we're talking about. And I, I don't know if you agree. Curious to hear your thoughts. Too many players in this starting lineup, especially in that midfield, are too similar. There's not much difference. Yes, you, I mean, if we did the whole profile of every single player, there's differences. But generally speaking... They're all very similar players. Like, who, which which one of those five in that midfield is stretching a back line? Maybe, yeah, Mota and that's barely. Stre- stre- no, no, stretching a back line. That means making runs in behind the defense and, and posing a threat to, to beat you with speed. I mean... There, there was no. Pizarro's, yeah, not, Pizarro's yeah. not super fast. Corinthians John's not super fast. Stefanelli has some quickness to him, but he's not super fast. Nobody in that midfield five possesses 
incredible speed, right? So Inter Miami, while they were trying to possess and, and play, everything was in front of Toronto FC. They never had to worry about really any threats in behind them. Like it was just all in front. Joseph Martinez, which once again, we'll talk about his performance in a little bit. We've talked about his performance for, for multiple weeks going, but we have to talk about it again. He's not, he's not giving you that threat for Inter Miami. He's not providing that threat. He's not making diagonales, so he's not making diagonal runs in behind off the back shoulder. He's not the fastest, so he's not stretching that back line. Like, Inter-Miami in general, and especially focusing on that midfield, I thought the players were way too similar, and just there just wasn't enough sharpness to make up for the lack of diverse attacking qualities. Nobody's getting in behind. I thought things got interesting once Robert Taylor and Ariel Lasseter came in in the second half, but... By then, it was too little, too late. Yeah, because you don't, you don't have, sorry, you don't have a natural wingers to like open up the field and make those diagonal runs. Everything is going like as you said, Pizarro, Bryce Duke, Stefanelli, inclu- like including uh, Kogoyan, are like similar players going inside and like they're how do you how do you say like crashing between between each other? Like they don't have no one to open, like pass the ball. You don't have DeAndre Yelling playing in this game, so that was, that was a huge. Uh, like as as well, we need to talk about not having the Andre Yelling open. We will get there. We will get there. Will get the there. As, as, well, as well for you, and then once you said that you put in uh, Robert Taylor and um, Lasseter, that opens up the field a little bit more for Inter Miami. Well, Phil, Phil Neville also changed the tactics in the formation once he got Taylor and uh, Robert Taylor on there because then Inter Miami. Lasseter, yeah. sw- sorry, Lasseter. Yes, uh, because then Inter Miami switched to a back three, which consisted of, if I'm not mistaken, from right to left, Christopher McVeigh, Sergei Kristoff, and Franco Negri, and then you had like a midfield four, a first line of midfield four with uh, Taylor on the right. You had who was in Uyoa came in, and you had Mota. And yeah. on the left, you had Lasseter. And then you had more advanced playing as like joint number 10s. You had Nicola Stefanelli and uh, Benjamin Cremashi. And then up top, Joseph Martinez remained. That's how they finished the game. So I thought there was a little bit more of a threat in terms of just more versatility. Because there was one play in the second half where Robert Taylor gets in on the right side and he fakes a shot to try to get the defender to bite. Then he pulls a shot from the right side, but it's blocked out and goes for a corner. And that's the type of stuff Inter Miami missed in this game. Look, I, I liked Inter Miami's first 20 or so minutes, 20, 25 minutes. It wasn't the best, but they were competitive. End of the first half, it got a little sloppier. And then in the second half, there just wasn't almost anything. Yeah, I mean, they had they had several uh, chances. I, I believe, like, in the first couple of minutes, like, Pizarro had one. Pizarro had a wide-open one yeah, that he should have done shot. better on, especially since he's a DP, um, didn't put it away. Stefanelli had a few shots in this game. And I, listen, first half, for me, yeah. first half for me was Stefanelli's probably best 45 in an Inter-Miami jersey. For me. Okay. I, okay. As, you know, And I think that's progress because he's still adapting and working his way up to being the Nicolas Stefanelli he can be. Something he's even said. He said he has more to give. So, But I liked what I saw from him in the first 45 minutes. Is he a true number 10? There's a question about that in the in the Q and A session, so we'll we'll leave it for there. Um, but to to touch on the subject a little bit, another player that maybe isn't playing in, or at least in this game wasn't playing his most natural position, like Bryce Duke as an eight. So that that could be a factor as to why Inter Miami 
struggled here because definitely hasn't wowed anybody yet. But I do think that first half he was he was pretty involved, had a couple of chances, um, and and looked a lot more livelier and active than what we've seen, and a little bit sharper. Although again, not like like most of the other teammates in the midfield, not anywhere near as sharp as he needed to be. Now, let's move on to a different performance. Miguel, we have to talk about Joseph Martinez. Because after the game is 1-0, literally a couple minutes later, Inter Miami has a glorious chance to... Okay, maybe glorious is... I think it's glorious, but maybe not everyone shares that. They have a good chance to tie the game on a fantastically drawn-up set piece that is played short, and then Gene Mota, from a deeper position, clips in the ball to... I don't remember who it was. I'm blanking on who it was right now. Yeah. But he it, it's a well it's a well drawn up set piece. And Gene Mota clips the ball into the penalty area and it's headed back into the path of Joseph Martinez. And he has a half chance. But it's a half chance in front of the goal. And he gets too far underneath it. Hits it over yeah. the crossbar. A chance that you would expect Joseph Martinez normally or scored, Joseph yeah. Martinez of years past to put away. Even the, the commentators for Apple TV, they were saying, like, you know, the Joseph Martinez of yesteryear puts that into the back of the net. Now, this is not the same Joseph Martinez, but Obviously. you you need to see him put those chances in the back of the net. He missed two opportunities against NYCFC that he should have put away. Here, I think he should have put that one away. I don't know if everyone thinks it's it's as good of a chance as, as I do, but I think it should have been put away. Yeah, but look, I have my, I have my opinion about Joseph coming in. Uh, I I was like, okay, I like him as a, coming off the bench. I think uh, Leo Campana can be uh, the starting number nine for this team. I don't know if you agree with me. Agree with me? Because, look, Joseph, I, I know people like Joseph Martinez, but look, the last two, the last two seasons, yes, he was injured. But last season, he he missed this type of shots last season as well. So it wouldn't surprise any anyone at this point with Jose Martinez. Like he should score them because they're they're easy for a striker of his caliber. But last year he was not scoring these either. So I'm I'm watching the replay of the sequence of the play I'm talking about. It's in the 50th minute. Franco negative plays a free kick to Gene Mota in the center of the field. Gene Mota clips in a superb, superb aerial pass into the penalty area. And I believe it's to Coco Jean. And then Joseph Martinez can't put the ball on frame from about 12 yards out. Yes, there was some, some tight marking on him. But again, I think it should have been yeah, I think it should be put away, especially on the second look uh, on the replay. I mean, he's he's got much of the goal to shoot at. The the hit the right side of the goal from where he's looking in the second replay, you can see it, it perfectly if you go on uh, YouTube and watch the highlights. Not Miami Total Football's YouTube page because we're not allowed to post highlights anymore. But if you go on the on YouTube and you look up the highlights, this the the second replay shows it clearly. He's got much of the right side of the goal to shoot at. And tuck that ball away, and he shoots it over the bar. After the game, I asked Phil Neville about it. Phil Neville, again, gave him a vote of confidence in terms of Joseph Martinez. 
saying he, he knows he's going to score goals in this league. But yet, yes, he did admit, Phil Neville, that Joseph Martinez is, is struggling a little bit right now with, with his confidence. And, and he's a striker that needs goals, that lives off of scoring goals, um, that needs that feeling of scoring goals and, and not having one through four games in the season. Is, is impacting him. And you can see it. You can see it in his demeanor. You can see it in, in how he laments every miss. Like, you can tell it's weighing on him. At least that's my sensation. Uh, but you can, you can, like, the timing, you know, like, what people say in soccer, like, the timing the, the soccer player has. Like, you can see on Joseph that he doesn't have that yet. Like, like, le, le falta, like, how do you say, chi, no, like, chispa or something like that, like, right now. That's, that's what I think from like seeing him from from the outside. There's a chance he has at the very end of the game, literally before the the, the whistle goes final, or they, yeah. they they blow the last whistle. But but that he was, has that a was, shot. That was a little bit. I mean, he should put that on frame. He should put that on frame, man. He should put that. He's at the top of the 18. He, he doesn't have that, anyone that in close proximity to him, and he pulls it wide left. He doesn't even get it on target. And I yeah. think I think his confidence right now is is low. I, I mean, it's not where it needs to be, and clearly because he hasn't scored in four games. So I take I understand, I take Phil Neville's word there that Joseph Martinez is impacted by the fact that he hasn't been able to score. Now I agree with you, and I've said it for multiple episodes now that I don't think he's ready to be the number nine. Right? So you think and, Leo and, Campana? Well, well, initially, the plan coming coming into the season was 4-4-2 diamond. That was Inter-Miami's plan. And they wanted Joseph Martinez and Leo Campana leading that front line. And they were going to share the attacking and scoring burdens up top. Campana gets injured two days before the season opener. Since then, other injuries have occurred as well. Joseph Martinez has been put into a position that he was not ready for. But that's just what the situation has called for. Because you have no other proven, healthy number nine. So he's the guy right now. Now, he'll be missing this weekend because he's off on national team duty with Venezuela. So in Miami, either someone needs to get healthy or they're going to have to get creative up top with either Ariel Lasseter. But... We'll get to the previewing of this weekend's game in just in just a, a few moments. Nonetheless, Phil Neville said he thinks it'll be good for Joseph Martinez to get away, to clear his mind a little bit from the personal, individual, performance-level struggles in South Florida, go play with his national team. Maybe he gets a goal there. Maybe the, the vibe there raises his spirits and lifts him up so that when he returns to South Florida that he'll he'll be in a better standing or in a better mood. Phil Neville also said that he expects Joseph Martinez by the the game in which he returns a couple weeks from now to be close to the best version of himself. That's what what Phil Neville said. I don't think Joseph Martinez is close to being there in terms of his fitness. I don't think he's close to being there in terms of his sharpness. I think it's going to be a good, long work in progress. The sooner Campana can get healthy, the better. Now on Saturday, Campana posted to his Instagram uh, a picture of him, you can only see his legs, but him sitting in the Inter-Miami gym. So it looks like he's still doing gym work. Not sure how much further out or further away he is from returning to the field and at least doing ball work and, and partaking in team sessions. Until that happens, 
he's he's not going to start. I, I can't imagine yeah. they, they would throw him into the fire as soon as he's able to partake in, in practice because he still has to get now back to game fitness. So Schneider Borgelin also still injured. Jake Lacava. Oh. Jake Lacava was on the bench in this one. I was surprised we didn't see him come in. Because he's like one of the few attacking options that, yes, we haven't seen him yet in official Inter Miami game. But he's one of the few attacking options that Inter Miami had, and they just they didn't go to him, which I think says says something about you know where he stands in the pecking order. Uh, I, listen, Joseph Martinez does get paid to put the ball in the back of the net. Right now he's not doing it. I said it last week, I'll say it again. If he's not doing what he's paid to do, and it's costing you potential points, then you've got to start considering looking elsewhere. And I think yeah. maybe maybe it's going to be a blessing in disguise that he's away for international duty because now it forces Phil Neville's hand to have to try somebody else. Because look, I, I honestly think, this is what I honestly think, and this is not inside information, this is just my sensation, mi sensación. Phil Neville is really, really, really trying to man-manage Joseph Martinez. He gave him the captain's armband in this one. The captain's armband. Joseph Martinez just signed this year. And yes, he's a proven player in I mean, MLS. But is he, is he... Anyone can be a captain. No, no, no. But it's... No, no. But to, Okay, so Gregory doesn't have the armband. So somebody else had to get the armband. If DeAndre Yedlin was there, I think DeAndre Yedlin gets the armband. But he didn't. Who's next to get the armband? Who, who would you consider as... as Potential captain material. Mota. For me, Mota. Anybody else? Any other candidates for you? Uh, Mota. Christoph. Uh... So I, I would... Okay, so I would say Mota would be a candidate for me based on the 11 that were on the field. I would say yeah. Serhi is a candidate, although he's still so new to the team that yeah, may, yeah, maybe it's too early to give him the armband. You know, so I think there were other candidates to give yeah, the armband too. So if you give it to Joseph, why would you give it to Joseph Martinez? Is he a leader? Is he a rah-rah type type of guy? No. I think he gave it to him to try to give him some extra confidence. And that, again, that's not inside information. That's just my sensation, my supposition from the outside. I think that's why Phil Neville gave him the armband. I don't think there's... I don't see any other reason to give Joseph Martinez the captain's armband. I mean, look, jo- Joseph is... Like I don't know how to say this in English, but like un viejo zorro. Like un, how do how do you say it? like un viejo zorro, un zorro viejo? A wily veteran. Yeah, yeah. Like he he knows the league. He knows like. But that does the not referees. make you captain material. That does not make you captain material. I think Phil Neville giving Joseph Martinez the armband was a, a way to try to motivate him, to give him confidence, to make him feel important, because he's not been scoring and because his confidence is down. But it didn't it didn't translate into anything on the field in this one. To me, Joseph Martinez, when you see him play and you see the way he he quickly moves the ball, like yep. there's nothing wrong with that. I, 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 I like that players move the ball and doesn't get stuck to them. But given his jerarquia, given who he is, I would expect him to try to do a little bit more to try to put this team on his back a little bit. I see him playing like too quickly too often. Like like he doesn't like he doesn't necessarily feel like he's capable of of doing something different. Doing more. Right. Like I don't I don't see that coming from him. Like that's not that's not what he's transmitting to me watching him play. Like I don't see him looking confident like he feels like 
all right, I can I can take this defender on and score this goal, or I can do this and and it's going to work out. Like I see a player that's I'm not gonna say he's hiding. He's not hiding, but I see a player that looks a bit timid, that looks a bit lacking confidence, that yeah. does not look like someone who wants to go at defenders and someone who feels like he's going to make a difference on his own. I don't see that that borderline smug Joseph Martinez that we that we used to see in Atlanta. Like I, I see a much more Joseph Martinez that maybe's playing within what he thinks are his limitations right now. Or maybe what are his limitations right now. As opposed to trying to do a little bit more and taking on that responsibility and feeling like he can do it. That's just that's just my opinion though. No, I, I think everyone agrees with what you're saying right now. I don't know about everyone. There's probably plenty well, of people that don't agree I mean, with that. Especially some but, Venezuelans out there probably like, what are you talking about? But you never know. But, I mean, you have to be blind. Like, he, he doesn't show confidence when he's playing. Like, you're right. Like, you know, el, el goleador vive del gol, you know? Like, he, he doesn't have that right now. No, no, no transmite. Like, it, it's not, it's like yeah. I don't see him, like, again, I don't see him doing anything with the ball other than just quickly playing it and laying it off to other teammates. I don't see him wanting to take on defenders. I don't see him wanting to, you know, like maybe if he felt more confident in general, or maybe he felt healthier, maybe he felt fitter. Maybe he's a little more aggressive at going at players, whether it's on the dribble, whether it's making runs in behind, but he's not doing that. He's, it, it, it's like he's playing just timid. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. Just doesn't look like, He's offering the best version of himself. Like he's he's not sure that if he tries to do some of these things that can make a difference, that they'll come off. So rather like like he's scared to make mistakes. That that's what it seems like to me. Like he just wants to play safe. Based yeah, on he's him. just giving the easy pass, you know. And yeah, and I think again, not not having him, not having a, a threat either on the wings or up top that can stretch the back line, that can make runs in behind. I think that that's, that's also hurting Inter-Miami's attack. Because again, back-to-back games now without a goal. If you go across the four games and you analyze the four games, there's only been one strike that has come from a number nine. And it was in the first match by Schneider Borgelin off of uh, off of a bit of luck. Off of a bit of luck. So the number nines for Inter-Miami, and again, it's just been Joseph Martinez and Schneider Borgelin up to this point, really. They, they haven't really produced all that much in the final third. And Joseph Martinez has gotten the bulk of the minutes. So, uh, in, in general, Inter-Miami, look at the goals they've scored. They scored four goals in four games. That's one goal per game average. It's early in the year, but obviously, that's not a, an incredible total, right? And they scored all, all four goals at home, by the way. So, one of those was a set piece by Sergei Kristoff. The other one, the, the aforementioned goal by Schneider Borgelin that, you know, he scores off, uh, off of a rebound. And then the other two goals are shots from distance, one from Corentin Jean and the other one from Robert Taylor. Yeah. I don't think Inter Miami's getting enough out of the number nine position. And I think Joseph Martinez's confidence, his level, his form, his fitness, I think all that is playing a part in that. Inter Miami needs Leo Campana to get back healthy as quick as he possibly can. But we still don't know when that will be because Inter Miami, unlike with Gregory, where they were very willing to. Share the information. Surprise. Still still don't know. Still don't know about Leo Campana and his overall health or when he might be back. All right. Let's talk about one player 
who I tweeted was making his debut, which was incorrect. And I'm mad at myself for that because I knew that. He's already made his debut. He played in one game last year, appeared in another game this year, but this was his first MLS start. We are, of course, talking about Harvey Neville. He filled in for DeAndre Yedlin in this one. He did not travel with Inter-Miami as a, at late notice because his wife was expected to give birth to their second child. So he sat this one out, stayed home in South Florida with her. Harvey Neville steps in there at the right back spot. Curious to hear your thoughts. Now, obviously, anytime Harvey Neville plays, it's it's at least under this version of Inter Miami because Phil Neville is the coach, his dad. There's going to be yes, there's always going to be noise around it. Different storylines and different talking points that people will have, whether it's deserved, whether it's not deserved. Let's let's push all that aside. Let's focus on. His performance. What did you think of Harvey Neville on the whole? Did you... Is it a passing performance? Look. Last un pase? Does he get a passing grade? Or is there a lot to work on for him? I mean, there's a lot to work on. On, on him, obviously, he's... He's pretty young, to be honest. He's 20 years old, I think. Um, but look, he's, he's in a tough position, to be honest. One, his dad is the coach. Um, two, he's... You know, taking the place of arguably one of the best players in Miami has, and one of the, one of the key players in Miami has attacking. Uh, you know, he didn't do much attacking. Well, he barely did anything attacking, and defending. I'll, you know, I'll give him a C, a C, like how you gave me a C plus for the Miami <laughs> radio. I'll give him a C. I'm about to give you a D because now you said Inter Miami Total Radio, which is not even close <laughs> to the podcast name, my friend. I, it's like now you're failing the course, so now you're, you're not even at the C anymore. You've averaged like a D minus now. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, going back to Neville, um, yeah, a C. I think you cannot you cannot ask more for him to be honest. Yeah, I disagree. I, I disagree. I think you could ask more now. Really, the fir- it's the first game, first start, not first game, first start for him in MLS. Right, so that's that's a challenge for any young player. Uh, the intensity is higher than you can have in practice, right? You can't replicate actual game situations. You can you can go through the you can, you can replicate game situations, but you can't replicate the game intensity in practice. So I think that it being his first start, plus doing it on short notice, plus the cold weather. Come on, he's from he's from England. That should not be an issue for him. He, 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 I mean, hey, listen. Even Phil Neville has said like he's he's gotten. A, I think I don't know. I don't know if he said the word soft one time in a press conference, but he's like, oh, it's, maybe he did say. He's like, I'm getting a little soft because it's it's not even that cold outside, but I'm feeling chilly. But listen, I, I think there was. I think he was a little overwhelmed in his first start, which is normal. He's a young player making yeah. his first start. He's 20 years old, like you said. Doesn't have a wealth of experience. I thought he was a little overwhelmed. Now Phil Neville raved about him after after the game when I asked about what he thought of, of Harvey's performance. And he said, you know, the demeanor that he showed and uh, the attitude looked like an MLS player. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Like, I think technically Harvey Neville looked the part, but I did think he was overwhelmed. And defensively, a lot to work on. A lot to work on in terms of recognition, in terms of one-on-one defending, in terms of man marking. Defensively, I didn't think he was, he was very good. 
with the ball. But that is feet. normal, right? That that is normal for 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 a kid like that to like. Obviously, obviously, you need to work up. You need to work on him a lot. That's. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be the best right back. I'm not, but I'm not asking uh, him to be the best right back. I'm just telling you what I saw in this game. I saw a player that looked a little overwhelmed with the with the situation. A player that defensively didn't impress. With the ball, I liked him better. I liked him better when he was playing forward because he would look to play passes into the attacking half, into the attacking third. There's one ball he plays in exquisitely in the first half uh, to a streaking Coco John. Though The one time that Inter-Miami was able to, in that first half, kind of stretch Toronto FC's back line. And he hit a perfectly weighted pass down the right flank. Um, and then Coco John fed Nicolas Stefanelli for a shot that Sean Johnson saved. It wasn't the best shot, but it was a shot on target. And Sean Johnson, Toronto FC goalkeeper, makes the save. So Harvey Neville with the ball, I liked. There was also another sequence in the first half where he's one-on-one and he takes his defender on. He took his defender on and pulled off a nifty little dribbling move where uh, he had the ball on his right, he pushed it to his left, and then quickly pushed it back to his right and started getting around uh, uh, the the defender. Now the defender astutely, so he doesn't let Phil, uh, excuse me, Phil Harvey Neville get away from him, he like tugs on his arm. I thought it could have easily been called a foul, but it wasn't. Play continues and Harvey Neville gets stripped of the ball. But again, with the ball, I liked what I saw. I think I think that's those were those were the good starting points from his first game. But defensively, a lot to be desired. A lot. A lot. The first goal, it's not solely his fault. Now, Phil Neville said after the game there was a mistake that Inter-Miami made that they didn't react well to. And what that mistake was, look, Inter-Miami had a free kick in its own half. And then sloppy play leads to a turnover. Quick transition attack. And then the, the low cross comes in from the right. And Harvey Neville gets beat to the spot. By Jonathan Osorio. So, should have done a little bit better there in terms of getting goal side of Osorio. In terms of recognizing the danger. Wasn't the only time that that happened. You know, there was also a cross in the first half that, uh, I forget who brought it down. But a Toronto FC player brings it down in the penalty area and gets inside of of Harvey Neville. And if, if that player was a bit more technical or a little bit more quicker to, to pull the trigger... He has an open shot on goal, but he couldn't get the ball down comfortably, and then that allowed Harvey Neville to, to recover, which kudos to Harvey Neville. He, he recovered well there in terms of not allowing uh, a shot on goal, but he was beat on the initial movement. So defensively, a lot to work on for me. Uh, if I had to give him a player rating, uh, probably a five. Four and a half, five out of ten. Yeah. That's what you would give him? You'd, you'd give him... Can you I mean, say, he's, he's gonna, a letter grade. You can't give him a letter grade. We gotta give a player rating, bro. We gotta say the true football like, fashion. Yes, but I feel like you're being a little bit too rough on him, to be honest. I'll give him a 5.56. So he was involved in giving up the first goal, and you'll give him a 6, which is like a solid grade. Out of 10? I don't think so. 6, I is, mean, a sol- six is a solid uh, grade. 6, means, six the, means you I'll turn give, in a solid I'll, shift. I'll give the whole intro team a 5, 6. I can't. I cannot give Intermiami a six when when the performance they put forth. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. I I actually miss doing my player grades. I did it for the first two seasons, and then just because of time, I've just gotten away from doing it. I really want to get back to it because I I really like doing it. I um, usually do it for my YouTube channel, but it takes time. To be honest, it does take time. It does take yeah. time because you you want to be fair and like 
I, I, I need to rewatch the games to give player ratings. I know some people do it straight off of just the live viewing, but I, I don't think it's a fair way to do it just because you're multitasking, you're going to miss things on the field as you're typing on the computer, as you're, you're you know, just tending to all the different things you do while you cover a game. I like to sit down, rewatch the game the second time, and then I get a much deeper uh, appreciation or, or a deep understanding of what's going on um, on the field overall. Because now I can watch it. I know what the score is. I know what's going to happen. So now I can just analyze. Right? Nothing's nothing's new to the eyes. Nothing is surprising me. So, um, yeah, I, I like to do it after a second viewing. And, and that's kind of made it a little bit difficult. I'm going to maybe try to get to it back to it at some point this season. It's got, i got to find the right time. Maybe when Lionel Messi arrives, then we'll be player ratings from, from that point on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on, Miguel. Or Michael Peace, as I like to like to call you. Uh, anything you want to say about the goals given up before we switch the game? Before we switch gears to the to the next game, um, we talked about the first goal. I, I mean, I talked about the second goal yeah, as well. Gene, mean, Gene Mota. The, the second goal. I mean, can Drake can Drake Canander do something about it? Probably not. I I need to look at the replay again, but like watching the game live, I'm like, can you do something about the the second goal? You know probably coming out a little bit but it's probably not i don't know if you have a something I, I, to say about i don't that. think i don't think so on this one I'll, but i will say this and it is something that i've talked to other colleagues about that i don't think we've talked about on the podcast all too much and i think it does play a part here especially with with pitbull terrier and defensive mu- muscle gregory um out this team's not a very tall team they're not blessed with a whole lot of height at yeah. least the, the, star, the players that are regularly playing Right? It's it's a team that has some good technical players, but not a whole lot of height. And I think that that is part of the reason why Mark Anthony K is able to head the ball and do this like 360 spin and get the ball into the back of the net. Yes, there's lack of overall defensive muscle in there because Gregory's out. But who are the tall players in that back line at that point? Christoph, I mean, 6'2". And Christopher McVeigh. Everyone else, no one else on the starting lineup. I mean, you could count Drake Calendar, but no one else in the on the field players that were on the that were on the pitch at that time. Yeah. None of them are really blessed with height, and this is a short team. And on that on this set piece, that lack of height plus the lack of overall defensive uh, abilities, I think that plays a part. I do think that plays a part. And I don't think I don't think this will be the last time we see Inter Miami give a set, give up a set piece goal because again, you're right. Not not a whole lot of height. I will say this before we switch gears very quickly to the next game, the Chicago Fire. One positive for me, and a player that I think has made a case for more minutes, Benjamin Kramashi. I liked what I saw from him off the bench. Looked good to me. In the in the few minutes he played, the few touches he got, I, I liked what he showed. Me transmitió. Cosa positivas. Transmitted very positive things in terms of how he, he tried to play. Did it always come off? No. Now, was he playing in a you know in a in a situation or in a role that maybe allows for that? Possibly. Maybe. Because he's he's yeah. playing as a joint ten and remind me he's just, you know, tasked with attacking, so defensive and responsibilities kinda almost, right. The so, game was yeah. So defensive responsibilities kinda really go out the window there, but I liked what I saw from him from the youngster in his short cameo. But anyway, let's switch gears. We've got to quickly talk about this next game. Inter-Miami returns to Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida to take on the Chicago 
fire on Saturday night in what surely, surely, surely will be much, much warmer weather. Now, the Chicago Fire are... The worst team in the Eastern Conference. Yes, so they are in 15th place. They've played three matches. They have no wins, two draws, one loss. They've scored four goals, like Inter Miami, and they've given up five. This is a winnable game for Inter Miami. However, like we mentioned before, they are they will be missing Joseph Martinez, who is with Venezuela, and Robert Taylor, who is with Finland. Edison Ascona is also, I believe, with the Dominican Republic national team, although he hasn't really been factoring in. But nonetheless, if Inter Miami is going to win this one, they might have to get creative creative up top because we don't know as of today when we're recording the pod Tuesday night whether Schneider Borgelin will be back and healthy to start or Leo Campana will be back and healthy to start so what is what does that leave you does that mean Jake Lacala is going to get the start does Phil Neville put the trust in him does he go with Ariel Lassiter who isn't a number nine but has played the number nine I mean that this is a decision you know that's going to be weighed and they're going to have to really figure out how to approach this one in terms of a game plan. But what do they have to do in terms of that number nine position this weekend? What do you think they do? What do you think Phil Neville does? I was just, I was, look, you, you cover more into Miami, more like day to day than, than what I do. And um, I was thinking about 4 3 3. I don't know if Phil Neville's going to do that. A 4 3 playing with um, Mota Pizarro and Bryce Duke. And then on the wing, putting Lasseter, Stefanelli, and Coco Young in the middle. That's my idea because you don't have nothing else to to go as a striker, to be honest, or play without a striker at this point. And play with the false, false night, false nine. So it's, it's tricky. And I think, listen, the best case scenario is one of Borgelin or, or Campana is back. You know, oh, but I again, doubt but I, yeah. I doubt, you know, even if they are healthy, that they can start. I think Lasseter is the guy. I think it's his chance, even though it's not his natural position, it's his chance. Lasseter in the middle? I think he's going to have to be the nine. I don't see them giving, handing the reins to Jake Lacava. Listen, another option, another possibility, and now, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, maybe maybe more so than Lasseter, although I would still I would probably go with Lasseter, but something else I think Phil Neville could do, put Corentin Jean at the at the nine. Because let's not forget when Corentin Jean was signed last year, they said he can play on the outside as well as as a striker. So maybe Corentin Jean gets the look there and maybe Lasseter comes in on the wing to replace uh to replace Coco who who would be going up top. That's a possibility. Either way, it's likely that Inter Miami is going to have to get creative. Now, so you're keeping the four-two-three-one, or I think, I think that's I think that's I think that's what you've got to go with. I don't I don't see there being another formation that they can go with, and they've played well at home in that formation, which should give them some confidence. Uh, or they've played better than they played away from home. I don't think the performances have been all that convincing, but they've played better. Now, listen, the Chicago Fire they're coming off a three-three draw at home against FC Cincinnati. So they, they just scored some goals. The attack will be feeling themselves a little bit. They'll have a little bit of confidence. Especially since, you know, they started the season tying at home to New York City FC. 
Then they went on the road and lost to the Philadelphia Union 1-0. And then now this 3-3 draw that I just mentioned at home against FC Cincinnati. So the attack will be filling itself, but there's holes at the back. Inter-Miami can exploit those holes. Even if they don't have their strongest strikers or their, their top choices for the number nine position, I think they can still inflict some damage. And I think... Either Coco John or Lasseter, whoever played. I think they're both playing. I just it just a matter of who goes where. Yeah. Um, I think that, that 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 could still be enough. That could still be enough. So, quickly, what is your key to the game, Michael Peace? What does Inter Miami have to do to win this game? And don't give me some broad general umbrella term. I want some no. analysis. Give me something specific that Inter Miami needs to do in this match. Look, at the end of the day, um, defending defending is key for Inter Miami and. We, we we know because we we've been covering this team and when this team defends uh, uh solid, they can win a match. But when they play the way they play against Toronto, we know they can they can lose a match pretty easily and be all sloppy around the field. Uh, another one is obviously scoring the chances that you have. But but here here's my point. That, that's gonna be tough. I know you don't have you don't have Jose Martinez. You don't have. A player that can score them, yes, Joseph Martinez is not scoring them right now, but can we trust Lasseter or Coco Young to score those those easy chances that Inter Miami is going to have against Chicago Fire? Not easy. Well, but like chances that you expect the number nine to put away, right? That, like that, yes. And that's that's my question: Is Inter Miami going to have those chances without a striker? So they need to be effective up front, make the most of the Absolutely. chances they have. That's that's another key to the game for you. So for me, this is the key to the game. I, they, they need to improve in terms of the midfield play from what we've seen uh, this this past weekend. They, they can't be sloppy. I agree that they need to be defensively sound and not not try to go uh, or get into a shootout with Chicago Fire, which I don't think they're going to try to. But I think if this game ends up in, in a shootout, that doesn't bode well for Inter Miami because I don't think they have the attacking weapons to to survive that. Not Not with the current group that's expected to play this weekend. As of today, Tuesday. For me, the key to the game is players stepping up. And I'm going to talk about two players in particular. Two players that, especially one, that has the, the pedigree that you would expect him to step up. Rodolfo Pizarro is one. Nicolas Stefanelli is another. Those two players need to deliver very good games. Especially Pizarro because he's considered a DP. Whether you, you think he is or isn't worthy of that label or not, those two players have to step up. If those players step up, I think Inter Miami has a good chance of winning this game. If those players struggle to make an impact, then I think you're in trouble because I don't see very many difference makers, generally speaking. Can other players score goals? Sure. But who's going to help put the team on their back and put in a heck of a performance to really push this team forward? I think Pizarro and Stefanelli have to have very good games. That, to me, is the key to the game. Can your... Can your Key attackers that should be available for, available for this one that are more proven. I know Stefanelli's new to the MLS, but he's more proven in terms of, of his career. Can they deliver? That's the key to the game for me for Inter Miami. Uh, very quickly, lineup. Any other changes do you expect from Phil Neville going into this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, Lasser coming in, obviously, without Joseph in. And then, Does Duke stay in that midfield? I was look before before the podcast. I was thinking, why not Victor Ulloa? 
I don't know if Philadelphia uh, trust Victor Hill starting. That's that's probably why. But that's 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 not my only like little thing that I have. I, I'm gonna keep the same thing uh, team, obviously without Jose Martinez, and I'm gonna put in uh, Lasseter. So Lasseter, Lasseter's the nine or Coco John's the nine? In, in no, I, for me Coco Young is the, is the nine. And Lasseter out on the right. Yes, on the wing. Yes, and then the only the my other thought is Bryce Duke or Victor Yua, who's the other player I can play there. Okay, well don't hedge your bets, brother. Come on, give me something. Who starts? Who do you think starts? <laughs> at home, at home, at home, at home against Chicago Fire, who has now won a game yet. I'm going with Bryce Duke. Okay. That's who, you you? Th- that's who you think Phil Neville starts, that's, or, that's, or yeah. that's who you would start? No, that's who I think he's going to start and who I will start as well. So I think Phil Neville starting Bryce Duke again. And I think okay. there's confidence in, in the young in the young midfielder. He just signed a new deal actually late last week mm-hmm. after we recorded. Um, so he'll be uh, around for a long time. I think his contract's due 2025 with a, a team option for 2026. If I'm not mistaken, I have to double check that. I'm going off the, the noggin, off my memory. So I think there's a lot of confidence in him, and I think that they will give him that confidence and give him a start, especially at home where, where they like to be attack, uh, definitely attack-minded. They don't want to be defensive-minded. Me personally, me personally, I would start Victor Ulloa. Me. Really? But I think Phil Neville's going to go with Bryce Duke. That's what I think. And I just checked. Yes, Bryce Duke signed through, 2020, through 2025 26. with a team right. option for 2026. So I Duke para rato. There's really Duke like for Duke. a long time. At least, you know, that's what we would expect. Based he on was actually country. one of my, you know, I had the, I was the president of the Robert Robinson. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not the president anymore. You're the president of the Robbie Robinson fan club. Well, you know what? Leave that for your final thought, brother. Leave that for your final thought because we've had that debate in the press box for multiple years now and you were in there adamant about it all. And that's another player actually that could play the nine if if he's healthy, which we haven't even seen yet. So we've like, he's been such a non-factor that we've completely forgotten about him. But he's definitely a player that could play in this game should he be healthy. He didn't dress in the last one. Not sure where he stands in terms of his return to play because Inter Miami likes to keep their their injuries for the most part a top, top secret. Like they are FBI files that no one can access. But nonetheless, Robbie Robinson is a possibility as well to maybe get some playing time this weekend given the lack of options overall if he's healthy. If, if Rob Robinson plays and scores a goal, I am. Then you return to being... uh, President, president of the fan club. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, the only, the only other, the only other change I could see, or the only other, I guess, you know, depends. It's a mystery. If it's Harvey Neville or DeAndre Yedlin at right back, is DeAndre Yedlin still mm. tending to, to, you know, the expected birth of his child? Because I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if he's if the child was born yet. So maybe, maybe it'll be another weekend that he. Misses a game? If so, then Harvey Neville starts. If if not, then I fully expect DeAndre Yedlin to, to return back to his normal right-back spot. We'll see. We'll see. But let's leave it there, Miguel. Let's take a quick break. We've been talking for a while. We'll come back for a quick Q&A session and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this.
Q&A time. So, let's tackle a couple of these questions. All right. Starting with MLS España. All right. MLS Spain. I like it. I like it. Spain, man. Listen, okay. Listening okay. all the way from Spain. I will, I will answer this question. And MLS España asks, So Joseph Martinez have asked not to play for, for Venezuela in order to get more minutes with Inter-Miami. So this will go back and heart back for you old school listeners to a, a debate I had with Steve El Primo Brenner oof, back in 2021 or maybe 2020. Can't recall. Where I staunchly defended Rodolfo Pizarro's decision to play for Mexico, even though it was just friendlies, during a key stretch run for Inter-Miami. Because guess what? These are FIFA-approved matches. They are recognized by the international calendar. If MLS decides to play through them, don't blame the player. Other leagues around the world, other leagues around the world stop. Other top leagues around the world stop. So that there's no conflict. Also, if a player is called up, from my understanding, now I don't know if the rules have changed, but from my understanding, if a player is called up, unless he works something out with the coach or you know they come to an agreement, that player has to show up if he's called up based on international rules. That, that's that's what I was told a few years ago by a good source. Now again, I don't know if the rules have changed since then, but. No, Joseph Martinez should not have said, okay, let me stick around with Inter-Miami and work on my chemistry there and miss time with Venezuela. Listen, national teams only get together so often throughout the course of a year. Venezuela is getting ready for World Cup qualifying, which starts this fall. This is one of their only opportunities to to work on things for their new coach to to try to see what he's got and and for players to make an impression. No, Joseph Martinez absolutely should not have stayed. And I get the argument. If someone you know, has, has a case to make, I understand it. But this is MLS, an MLS issue. If there was no MLS fixture this weekend, Joseph Martinez wouldn't miss the game. But because they want to play through the international calendar, then okay. Then you're going to miss international players. Because that's just par for the course. They're going to get called up to their national teams, and they should play for their national teams. Because it's well within their right... And it's well within what is expected of a player who is allowed to go on international duty during a FIFA-recognized international fixture. Now, if this was April and Venezuela was having a random friendly uh, that's not on a FIFA international fixture, then absolutely he shouldn't go. And I don't think Inter-Miami would release him. But Inter-Miami is required to release him because, again, this is a FIFA-recognized international window. So, no. He should go with Venezuela, look to make his impression there with uh, his teammates, and maybe, maybe regain some confidence. All right, this one's for you, Miguel. This one comes from J.L. Ortiz, who I don't believe has ever asked a question either. So we have two newcomers here. All right, like it, like it. When is Phil going to stop pretending that Stefanelli is a 10? He has been non-existent in every game so far. I think Duke makes a bigger difference to the game when he is in the 10 position. Stefanelli should be utilized in his natural position, parentheses, second striker. Your thoughts, Miguel? I mean, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I don't want to judge Stefanelli right now because I haven't seen that much from him. To be honest, I... I'm being honest right now. I didn't know who he was before Inter Miami. I wasn't that like no lo conocía, you know, before. And um, 
and yes, if I'm gonna be honest, then even Pizarro is better playing as the number ten position than Bryce Duke. So between Duke and Pizarro, I would say with Pizarro playing at that position. But look, let, let's let's come down with you know ten players. They're not that good in the position. It's just four games now. I want to see more of him before I make a before I I say yes. This guy is definitely not good as a number ten. Uh, so I don't necessarily think Stefanelli's a 10. I kind of agree with Ortiz, JL Ortiz there. I, I, I would say that I do agree that I think Duke is better suited as a 10. I think it's his better position in terms of Bryce Pizarro? Duke. No, no, no. So I'm just saying Bryce Duke in general, oh, right? Playing okay, that first okay. line of the midfield, like I said earlier, or a 10, I think Bryce Duke is better as a 10 than an 8. I think it better suits him. Now, I agree that I don't think Stefanelli is a 10, but... I think Stefanelli is more polished in his game overall because he has more experience. And I think, as we saw in the first half, I think he's taking steps forward in terms of having a bigger influence on proceedings. I think we'll see more soon. This is my sensation. My sensation. Um, if he played as a second striker, I think it would better suit him. Yes, but I don't think Inter Miami's going to play that way. Again, film level will put players out of their strongest positions if it suits the system that he wants and that's that's a coaching philosophy a coaching preference a coaching style whether we agree with it or not i mean of course we we can dissect it and debate it but that's something that phil neville has done with gone with and i don't think he's going away from it so um i think stephanie will continue to be trotted out as a 10 at least in the in the short-term future unless the returns continue to be minimal but again reiterating i think he's starting to make progress uh, last one. We'll do one more because Dos Nos has put in questions for a few weeks and we haven't gotten to him. He says, looks like Mota's better fitted as a double pivot. Neither Pizarro or Bryce fit that other pivot role. Considering we know we don't get much from Victor Oyoa, why not give Kremashi a start? He has the physical tools to play that role. Thoughts? So I think physically he he has some tools, but I don't think he's ready to start just yet. Now, could I see him but starting? Is he, a, is he a number five though? Because I don't, I don't, I haven't seen him that much. To be so, honest. so you say five, which you know, I say six. It's you know, yeah, just, as a defensive the, midfielder the, the, yeah. in the center yeah. of the park, uh, I could see him playing there. I could see him playing there, but I don't think he's ready for a start just yet. I think, if, you know, solutions don't arise, if players don't step up and deliver good performance levels over the next few weeks, then I think at some point Kudamashi could absolutely get a start. But I don't think it's it's something that Phil Neville will consider right now. Right now. I think, you know, they, they wanna bring him in bring him along slowly. If if they can. Now if if things start not to pan out and they have to, you know, they don't have another option, then I think that they'll strongly consider starting him. But I don't think that's the time is there yet. But I agree with you. I think he's got some some interesting starting points and some interesting tools. Okay. Let's leave it there for the Q and A session. Very quickly, Miguel, your final thought. I'll give mine. We'll wrap up the show after that. Uh, once again, new season, Inter-Miami cannot win away from home. That's something that Phil Neville... I thought you were going Robbie Robinson, man. Come on. <laughs> tell the people. Tell the people. I... I interrupted your final thought, but tell the people. You've, I mean, you've been a staunch defender of Robbie Robinson. We've had countless debates in the press box. and So you're saying you've thrown in the towel. I No, look. I still have... Look, no. No, you said you're. You said, you said you're not. You're not president of the fan club anymore. It sounds like you're throwing in the towel to me. 
I, I retired from that, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. What? I'm back at Miami game. I'm gonna be in the press box this Saturday what? at seven thirty. Dude, did you yes. just do? Did you just do uh, an about face in a span of like ten minutes? Because like ten <laughs> minutes ago, you're like, ah, oh, no, that's it. I'm done. Now you're no, now I, you're back I, in I, on the Robbie Robinson. I retired. I retired. Like, it was off season, so I had to retire from that. Someone else. Now I'm back with the president. <laughs> what? But yeah, <laughs> look, Robbie can. Robbie Robinson is a good player. Trust me. I don't trust you. No. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Not. You don't trust me as well as a bunch of people who don't trust me as well. But we'll see. Okay. Sorry. So go continue. Continue with your final thoughts. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, once again, new season in training cannot win away from home. It's nothing new. Uh, Gregory is not going to be playing with the, with the team, so it's going to hurt them a lot. And um, I really want to see what Fulna was going to do to fix the issue. So it's going to be interesting. So my final thought will be on something you just mentioned, which we didn't cover in the recap and the analysis of the most recent game. And that's that Inter-Miami had a very nice touching gesture for the injured Gregory. Uh, before kickoff, they they held up, you know, they, they took the team photo with all 11 starters and they had players hold up his 26 Gregory jersey or Gregory 26 jersey. And they posed with it during the photo it was a nice touch, a nice, uh, un, un buen homenaje, right? Just a nice gesture, yeah. a nice nod to the Inter-Miami captain. And, and it, to me, it's another sign of how closely knit this team is and how well-bonded they are. Because, I mean, he's the captain, right? And, and he's well-liked. Um, so he's going to get a lot of support. But even if you looked at the Instagram post that he put, like the comments that he got from all these players, to me it just shows how together this group is. And it also shows me how well Gregory is well-liked in that locker room. But He's it, a captain, it, man. I mean, not not every captain is that well liked. You you could be a yeah, respected yeah, captain, but you don't have to be well liked if you know you know. Gregory has a, a certain personality that's infectious and um, you know very fun. <clears throat> not like the previous one. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So, <clears throat> wait, what? Gregory's been the captain for like years now, brother. What are you talking no, about? The, the Argentinian one, the one that retired. I forgot his name. Uh, he was one of four captains. Anyway, you're getting, you're getting sidetracked okay, from right. the from the point at at hand here. But it, it was a nice gesture from Inter Miami to to hold up his jersey before the game as a nod to him, and it also to me shows just how tight knit this group continues to be, along with all the comments that Gregory got, uh, because you know those players are, are can easily text Gregory. You don't need to necessarily see an outpour of social media support, although it's it's common. But just the amount of messages he got from his current teammates, as well as what they said, that to me shows a, a very strong knit group in that locker room, which is definitely a plus for Inter Miami. Okay, that does it for this week's show. Thank you so much to you listeners for listening. Thank you to, so much to Miguel Paz for Miguel Passing. <laughs> so for, for Michael Peace, I am Franco Panizo. We will be back next week to recap the game against Chicago Fire and preview what else is next for Inter Miami. So for now, signing off, you have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. Hey, there we go. We'll talk to you guys again next.